and like I've never seen them, you know. So um, you see signs of bears. Like that same trip I was telling you about, my we fish in Soda Butte. And my son is 12. He wandered off after a couple hours of fishing. You know, a 12-year-old can only take so much, you know. And they're like, oh, my gosh, where'd Peter go? And so I finally tracked him down, and he was uh, building sandcastles in, in a sandy area along Soda Butte next to a half-eaten elk carcass. That was Steve Haig taking us back to Yellowstone, Slough Creek, a fireside chat, and the Rio Grande today on the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how you doing today? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. Find out what's new in our Facebook group. You can head over to wetflyswing.com slash Facebook and check out what's going on over, the, over there at the party. We've always got something new going on. And you can even uh, ask a question for an upcoming uh, guest over there. Steve Haig, the host of the Destination Angler podcast, is here to share the why behind his fly fishing podcast. Steve shares his top downloaded episodes uh, on the destination topics uh, and some of his favorite shows. We also talk about um, a couple of his guests who are bucket list guests, one of them who's going to be on very soon. He's going to be checking that off the list. We also find out what podcaster is cue right now. He's got a couple of good ones you should be checking out. So we kind of dig into it all. This is my normal fly fishing podcaster episode so hope you enjoy it without further ado here is steve haig with the destination angler podcast how you doing steve i'm doing great yeah glad to talk to you yeah great to have you on the show here we've got another another podcaster i've uh, slowly over time but slowly reaching out to a few i haven't even come close to getting everybody but i've i've touched up with a few other fly fishing podcasts and I've been seeing your stuff, hearing about you out there. I just talked to somebody yesterday who who knew about your podcast and said it was one of his favorites. So I'm excited to dig into some of what you have going there. Um, before we jump into the podcasting and a little bit on destinations and things like that, um, bring us all the way back really quick to fly fishing. Talk about how you first got into it, where you're at, and then how you came to have a fly fishing podcast. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Happy to do that. Yeah, it's still kind of an out of body experience for me to to hear that people are are talking about me somewhere in the country. So uh, <laughs> I started this. Uh, <laughs> I started this um, back to, when COVID got started. Uh, my boss, um, you know, we just didn't have a lot to do because of COVID. Our customers were all, um, you know, trying to figure out if their companies were going to survive. And he said, "Well, why don't you go find something else to do for a couple of months?" So I said, "All right, I'm going to start a podcast." And I thought, "Yeah, if this thing gets to..." you know, 500 downloads, I'd be pretty excited. And, uh, you know, before I knew it, it just blew up. So the thing huh. just really took off. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So now we're, uh, on show number 55, I think. So been a lot of fun. Oh, wow. 55. So you've been going over a year now. Yeah. Yeah. A year and a half. Wow. So yeah. Publish every other week. Yep. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You published two a month. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. Nice. So, why the destination angler? Why not the um, you know whatever other <laughs> podcast? Right, you could have started. What what made you go for the destination angler? Yeah, well, I'm like the organizer among my friend group, you know. So I'm always the guy that's you know organizing the next trip, and so I just found myself you know always researching new fly fishing locations, right? So we'd have a, a really good time, and uh, I kind of love doing that. Uh, I like calling up fly shops and picking their brains and finding out you know, what's going on and the best time of year to go and, you know, where to, where to camp, uh, where to stay, uh, you know, 
all the tributaries we could be hitting, if there's high mountain lakes, you know, what we could be doing there. So I just love doing all that. And I thought that wouldn't it be cool if there was a podcast that would kind of dial people in to a certain location. So I just decided to focus on on destinations. Didn't really see anybody else really focused on that. And to my surprise, the URL, the destination angler was available. I mean, I couldn't believe oh, wow. it. So <laughs> yeah. There you go. So that's you. You're the man. You're the man you at the destination. Now on the destination, so out of these, uh, you said 55 episodes? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a lot of episodes. First of all, you know what they say about podcasting is that get through a year first, get your first 50, you know, and then you're you're feeling, you know, you're kind of past. I think 90% of the rest of the people that start podcasts have already failed. I think so. Right. Have already failed, right? So you're past that. What's, uh, you know, as far as the episodes, because there's places all over the world, how do you choose where you're going next? That's a good question. So when I first started, it was really, okay, where have I been? What guides do I know? You know, who could I, you know, sort of talk into doing this with me, you know? And so I, the first guy I thought of, I'd just been fishing with this guy a year or two earlier. It was in, on the Watauga in uh, Tennessee. And uh, he was nice enough to be my first, first victim, <laughs> my first <laughs> guest. Yeah. And it was just, you know, you push the record button, off you go. But, um, you know, from there, you know, I just, um, I, I always ask my guests, you know, if you know any guides that would be good to be on a show in different parts of the country, you know, let me know. And also I try, I focus on North America, right? So um, I'm really just trying to be very focused in on that. I don't want to get too crazy and try to do things all over the world. And it's really interesting. Like I've, I've got a lot of followers in Canada, but I've got followers all over the world, like every continent, except for Antarctica. You know, you probably mm -hmm. do too. They just keep yeah. popping up, you know, people in Russia and China and Japan and Korea and, you know, all over Europe and, you know, and um, so- uh, definitely getting an international following, but the destinations, they just come, you know, and then I'll just go on Instagram and, and find people that are, um, you know, guides in different parts of the country and, and just reading different magazines and just being aware of what fisheries are, are top fisheries. And then, you know, I, I sort of investigate them on my own. If they look like it'd be a worthy of the show, I, I start finding guides to, you know, talk to. There you go. So basically yeah. you... You kind of scratch your own itch, whatever's interesting. And then when you, you know, get into the show. So, well, I guess that's one question, right? 55 episodes. I mean, how many of these episodes do you plan on uh, going to eventually? Do you, do you feel like if you get to that point, right? Where it's <laughs> like, you can't really get to everything. Are you, are you kind of making that plan? Like, okay, here's the, maybe the next places I get to in the next two years, something like that. Uh, I probably don't think that far out ahead. You know, um, I'm really just kind of like the next two or three episodes. Like I've, I've probably talked to 50 people, you know, that I haven't put on the show or they just haven't been interested yet or right now or whatever. And, um, for me, the planning ahead is just, if I, if I can get the next two episodes down, you know, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So you're, you're not worried about, uh, getting stricken with COVID and, and losing your voice or anything like that. You're pretty much just like good to go. Just, uh, I mean, I guess if you got, you keep a few in the bag, right. You're good to go. Yeah. Well, I'm in quarantine right now, so I got COVID like on Thursday before. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. God. So uh, it hadn't been too bad, you know. Just uh, is this the new, uh, the, the new variant or whatever it is version variation? They don't tell you, you know. They just, you know, you just get tested, and it's like, okay, I'm positive. You know, I, I really haven't felt that bad. This one's not a big deal. Yeah, and I'm boosted. I've got my vaccinations. You know, you still get it. So it's, uh, yeah, you still get it. It's just yeah. a normal, it's almost becoming like a normal, just, uh, yeah, just 
common flu season, right? Or something like that. Kind of is. So, okay. So the travel, and then what, uh, just curious destination why on the, you know, your episodes, do you know which ones have been kind of the most popular out of what you've done? Do you see that like what stuff that really resonates with your listeners? Yeah, it's super interesting. Like I have tried to do some shows, like I did a, a musky show in Canada, which I thought the, I'm up on a lake called Lac Sewell and it's a trophy musky lake and, and it, it, did, it didn't take off, you know? And uh, what I found is that I've sort of really attracted the, the trout fly angler, you know, that's really my, my core audience. And so, you know, I've done some saltwater shows. Um, I just, I just last night recorded a show on red fishing down on the Texas coast, you know, and I, I'd like to keep expanding, you know, I, I really want to focus in on, on, you know, all kinds of a variety of destinations and a variety of species and not just focus on trout fishing, you know, but that seems to be, you know, my core audience. It seems to be, who gravitates towards this podcast. Yeah. It's the trout. That's the, that's what you always hear. You know, the trout still pushes the, you know, uh, the industry, I guess, because that's yeah. where the bulk of the people are. Um, yeah, that's pretty exactly. cool. Now where, remind me again, where you're at, where are you at right now? Uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're in Indiana. So you're right yeah. in smack dab in the middle of the country in a place that, you know, isn't the necessarily the hottest spot for fly fishing. <laughs> and I mean, it has some, right. We've had a few guests from Indiana on and, and it's yeah. been, you know, I mean, Every state, there's some fishing opportunities, but how do you feel about where you live? Do you feel like it's a place where you can di have some good opportunities or are you looking always about traveling outside? Uh, you know, so my favorite thing to do is, is, uh, fly fishing for trout and, uh, you, you don't find a whole lot of trout in Indiana. There's a couple of places where they stock them. You know, there's one little tail, there's one tailwater in the whole state and it's a mile and a quarter long. And then, uh, and then it warms up and, yeah, it gets too warm and it's, it ends up being a smallmouth fishery, but, uh, you know, we, we got a lot of smallmouth out here in Indiana. So I've done, uh, I did a show with a guy named Chad Miller, uh, who's a really good guide here in Indiana on Sugar Creek and the Tippecanoe river. Those are fantastic smallmouth fisheries. I mean, you can really bump into some great smallmouth in those rivers. Um, and every little blue line in Indiana, you know, as long as it doesn't dry up, it's got smallmouth in it. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, Sugar Creek's 35 minutes from my house. I can get to a little spot about 35, 35 minutes away. So between that and the uh, bass ponds in my neighborhood, I can keep myself busy with a fly rod. But yeah, I, I'd rather be um, somewhere out east or out west, or I've done a lot of fishing in Michigan. Wisconsin is only about, you know, seven hours away from me. Oh, okay. Uh, yep. Uh, I've hit the Cumberland tailwater uh, just a couple of weeks ago. That's only about three and a half hours from me. So there is some some decent fishing uh, you know, if you're willing to drive a little bit, there you go. So you do, you do do some driving. So you'll leave if you were to leave. Oh, yeah. Well, we're in the middle of the winter. We're getting to the middle of the winter now, but if you're in the, in the middle of the summer, um, seasons wide open, you got one place to drive to where, where are you headed? Oh man, I'd probably just run up to Sugar Creek. Uh, it's great smallmouth fish and I can go in there and I can fish for a couple hours and catch anywhere from, you know, two to 15 smallmouth in a couple hours, you know, depending on how the fishing is and be back home. So, uh, and it's just, you never bump into people, you know, it's, it's not crowded. It's a, it's a hundred mile long river at least. I think it's longer than that actually, but, uh, there's plenty to fish. So it's nice. There you go. And I mean, we've had a few great episodes. We, I think, you, did you uh, have uh, Tim Landwehr on yours? I did. We just did one on the Menominee river. Yeah. How about you? That guy is awesome, isn't he? Tim's the man. Yeah, yeah we he just was had, great. We had Tim on. He's the, I, I think he was also on the Bent podcast. And they joked about him looking like, um, 
who's that guy? Joe Exotic. You ever seen Joe Exotic? Yeah, yeah, right. I think he does. You know, the funny thing about Tim was, you know, he's had um, that river up there. I think I, I built it as the the, the best smallmouth river you've never heard of. Oh, hit the river he fishes. Yeah, the Menominee. Yeah, like who's heard of it? Unless you're from Wisconsin. But I was, uh, I was at my health club, and there's guy walks by me. He's got a Wisconsin shirt on, and I was just getting ready to interview Tim that day. And I saw oh, you're from Wisconsin. You ever heard of the Menominee Rivers? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, I knew all about it. You know, and I'd never heard of it, you know, but it's, it's kind of legendary if you live in Wisconsin. But, uh, I asked Tim, I said, you know, so Tim used to fish with Dave Whitlock when Dave was a little healthier all the time. Oh yeah. And I asked Tim, so what, you know, like, what was it like fish, you know, taking Dave Whitlock out and lefty Cray out? He's just terrifying. <laughs> He's like, you know, what am I going to talk to Dave Whitlock about? My gosh, you know, and he said that Dave just totally put him at ease. And then, um, you know, he sent me a picture the guides always send me great, great pictures that I can use to publicize the episode. And he sent me this picture of him and Dave holding the fish and they looked like very chummy, like they were having a blast yep. together. So I think, you know, uh, Dave yeah, made uh, Tim feel very, very comfortable, I think. And they become, they became very good friends. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Dave's cool. We, we, uh, we had Dave on a while back and, um, yeah, it, it was an amazing episode. Um, and, uh, but he was, yeah, he was going through some of his health issues. So we had to wait like a yeah. year or so until he got better. And yeah, I think I haven't talked to him lately, but, um, but yeah, Dave Whitlock's one of the, one, I mean, it doesn't get much bigger than that, right? Of people who are actually alive. Yeah. No, he's big. Now you, you've interviewed Joe Humphreys too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Joe's a powerhouse too. That's the type of guy that, uh, you know, you shake his hand and he's 95, but he like could break your hand. He's that sort of a guy. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I didn't meet him in person. I I did have Frank Moore on, who's are you know out here. He's a local, same guy. He's like ninety five, and he's a, just this yeah. World War you know veteran and sure, you know, just badass dude. And when I shook his hand because I did it in person on the Umqua, he it was the same thing. I was like, holy cow, this guy, but dude, he's ninety five, but he's a powerhouse still. You know what I did, Joe? You, if you might know this. Joe was a wrestler in college yeah. and, and was a wrestling coach at Penn State. You know, and uh, yep. Pictures of him when he was a younger guy in his twenties, man, he's ripped. He's totally ripped, yeah. you know? There you go. And, uh, yeah, it's, he's, I think he's kind of, uh, running in some health issues too, but, uh, anyway, oh, yeah. I wish him the best. He, he was a great interview. He, I talked to him for two hours. Oh, wow. And yeah. And we split that up into two different shows and we could have gone on for another two hours. I mean, he just, uh, he told great stories, super gracious. I mean, you know, before the show started, you know, like you do, you call up your guest and you get him on the phone, chit chat with him a little bit before yep. you hit the record button. And Joe says to me, he says, Steve, before we get started, I just want to say one thing. I was like, oh man, what did I do? You know, I've already screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he went on and on about my artwork because I'm an artist on the side and hmm. uh, he had found my website and just went on and on about it. I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, he, that's just the way he is. Like, oh, wow. you know, like my big takeaway with Joe Humphreys was that, you know, he's, he's, he's really good at something, fly fishing, uh, and he makes everybody around him feel great. That's his, I think that's like his secret. It's all about you, you know, and, and he couldn't have been nicer, you know, and, and after the show, he uh, called me up and said, you know, so my phone rings and it's Joe Humphreys. I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? You know? <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. uh, he says, uh, he says, Steve, we did pretty good, didn't we? You know, yep. about the show. I was like, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's doing really well, Joe. And, and we started chit-chatting. And by the end of the call, he's like, why don't you come out and fish with me? There I was like, go. oh my gosh, this is like getting an invite from Arnold Palmer or Jack Nicholas to go play golf, you know? Right. And uh, so, 
you know, we had it all set up. We were going to go out and fish with him uh, last summer. And the day before we were going to go, I was with my son and, and he's a, he's a physician and he came down with COVID oh. and I could not, I could not go fish with Joe having been exposed to my son, you know, just the day before. So anyway, but what a great experience talking to Joe. And I got to know his, uh, one of his daughters a little bit too, who sort of is the uh, gatekeeper for Joe, you know, so. Who are, so you've had Joe on now, if you look at your podcast, I'm not sure how long you're planning on doing this, but who, who are three three guests you would love to have on before you, you know, if you were to end the podcast down the line in years from now? Well, Dave Whitlock would be one of them for sure. Um, I'd love to talk to, to him. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I have, I guess I haven't really thought about like, who are my, well, Tom Rosenbauer, Tom and I are talking on Tuesday. Oh, good. So, um, he's another guy. Oh, wow. So you're checking off one of your kind of bucket list. Starting to check them off. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I don't know the other ones it's, you know, I find that talking to guides and experts in the industry is just, they don't have to be famous people. You know, I, I love talking to the different people, you know, that are just really dialed into these fisheries. And, uh, you know, if you're a fishing guy, chances are you're a pretty outgoing person. You're, uh, you know, interesting and fun to talk to. And, uh, yeah, I just it, it's just been so great to really get to know these people all over the country. So they, they don't have to be famous per se. It's just really, you know, what you can pull out of that guest. You know, what you can um, sort of draw out of that person, and and uh, you know, they're the star. You know, that's the way I look at it. It's kind of like when you come to the destination angler. Um, it's kind of like if you walk into a fly shop, you know, there's like, there's that vibe when you come in a fly yeah. shop at seven thirty in the morning. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. It's like oh, everybody's yeah. in a good mood. You know, every, there's that anticipation of the day. You might be meeting your guide there, or you're just waiting for a chance to talk to someone behind the counter about, you know, what's going on. You know, what you should be mm -hmm. using, how should you be fishing, and and that's really what I'm trying to do. Like when you walk into the destination angler, it's like you've just walked into a fly shop, and you're like, hey, dial me in. You know, what do I need to know? And then like halfway through the conversation, you're like, oh, the guy behind the counter, you know, he's a pretty cool guy. And you start chit-chatting with that guy. You find out, oh, you know, he's a guy too, or, you know, maybe he's in college and he's doing this in the summer to make some money, you know, and you get a little bit of that guy's story, you know, and then by the end, you're kind of asking, okay, so what are you guys doing here? You're like, how are you, are you twitching that fly? You know, are you a dry dropper? You know, what, and you sort of get the nuances of that fishery. So that's really what I'm trying to accomplish on a destination angler. So it's great to have those famous people, you know, like a Tom can't wait to have Tom Rosenbauer on the show and some other folks, you know, but they don't have to be, you know, they just have to be people that are really living, breathing and eating this, you know, for a living. Yeah. How do you choose with Tom Rosenbauer or any of your guests? Let's take Tom, for example, how do you decide what questions or what topic, you know, you're going to focus on? Uh, you know, when I, when I first talked to my guests, I, I asked them like, what are you excited to talk about? You know, first we got to figure out, okay, well, this is a destination show, right? So we got to talk about a fishery at some point, you know, but what would you be most excited to talk about? Right. And let yep. them talk for a little bit. And they usually will tell me, you know, what they really would be excited to, to talk about. And that drives a lot of my questions, you know, but I find, you know, after 55 shows, you're, you're, you're trying to ask the same questions, you know, different ways. Right. Because, yep. you know, I feel like I've got some great questions I can ask, but if I use those all the time, you know, are my listeners out there going, yeah, that guy keeps using that, you know, so you've got to come up with different ways to ask those questions. Um, so yeah, I really let the guests drive a lot of that. But at the end of the day, what I want to do is really 
allow people to feel like, okay, I've just listened to this podcast. I can decide, do I want to go to Henry's Fork or do I want to go to Slough Creek or, you know, do I want to go to the Asable in Michigan, you know? Um, and, you know, what might I encounter when I'm there and maybe what things might I need to kind of study up on a little bit and that kind of thing. Yeah, no, it's a good way. I love that. I think that's a big part of it. Is you don't want to get stale and keep asking the same questions. I think it keep it interesting. Keep keep listeners on the edge, like right now, right? Nobody nobody actually <laughs> knows what we're going to talk about here, so we could we could take it any way we want. But um, yeah, we don't either, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, these are these are the fun ones for me because when I get into these, I love because for me, I mean, I would love to sit here and dig into your podcasting stuff more. Um, yeah. you know, here and we'll probably touch on that a little bit because I'm. I'm curious about, you know, just kind of the recording and that process because it is a little bit of work. Um, but the sites, yeah. you know, destinations are also interesting, right? I mean, um, where you're coming from. But so yeah. I was thinking of, um, so Tom Rosenbauer and then, uh, and we don't have a third, basically, you, as far as that timing, how long are you looking at this podcast? Is this something you're just doing for the next year, five years? Did you, are, are you said you're not really looking out that far? Well, you know, I, I've got a day job, right? So um, that's why I'm doing them every other week. I just can't, I can't find the time to do one every week. And um, as long as my day job allows me to keep doing this, I'm going to keep doing it. I, it's it's a blast. I have a ton of fun doing it. I'm learning a lot as an angler. Um, I've got a lot of invites to go fishing with people all over the country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. How do you choose on that? So you got all these invites, you got all these, yeah. again, it goes back to that, right? So, so you just kind of talk to your buddies and say, okay, where do we want to go? Well, you know, like a buddy of mine, we're going to go out to Henry's Fork, you know, so I've never fished. I've been to Yellowstone like six or seven times, right? And, but I, you know, here's Henry's Fork, like 15 miles from West Yellowstone. I've never been over there, you know? And so Brett High is a region, region six uh, biologist for the state of, um, for Idaho, and so he was on my show uh, last summer, I think it was. And um, so I just, you know, sent him a note and said, hey, man, we're thinking of coming out there. You know, would you like to do some fishing together? And, you know, and and he's like, yeah, sure. You know, if I'm if I'm available, yeah, let's let's fish together. So, um, you know, sometimes it's that. Other times a guide might say, well, you know, hey, you get a free trip, you know, and, and I don't want to abuse that. But, you know, uh, I've taken some yeah. people up on that. And that's super nice of them. I don't, I don't expect that ever, you know? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. and then we always tip them really well too. So, um, I don't know if it's, if it's a place I'm interested in going and I'm going there anyway. And, uh, you know, the guy wants to fish, let's, let's go. So I remember the first year I did, um, I did a show on the Poudre river in Colorado and, uh, Joe McHugh, what a great guy. He, he guides out of St. Pete's there in Fort Collins and um he's an art teacher you know so we have a little bit in common there and he's like yeah if you're out, ever out this way let's fish together so we hooked up for in the middle of covid you know we hooked up for a half a day and fished the pooter he took me to one of his favorite spots i mean what are the chances of me stumbling on that spot you know on my own the pooter rivers you know i don't know 60 miles long or something and we had a great time he was just a super good guy and uh you know so it's it's making those connections has been really rewarding as well yeah. Is that kind of what you enjoy most on the podcasting is, or what is the part? So you get the whole thing. I think editing wise, you've handed that off to somebody else, but out of the yeah. whole podcast workflow, which is, you know, you got, you got to find guests, you got to do all that stuff and all the way through doing your, like now we're doing the episode, then you got post-production. Right. What's your favorite thing about the whole podcasting ex- experience? 
Oh, talking to the guest is my favorite part. You know, it's kind of what I do best, just talk. <laughs> yeah. My, my family, I'm like definitely the most outgoing person in my family. And I feel like I have a lot of outgoing, you know, I got three kids and a wife and we're all fairly outgoing. Uh, yep. but, uh, yeah, I love talking to the guests, particularly when you sort of get in that rhythm, you know, how it goes when you're podcasting, oh, yeah. right? You, you get in that rhythm and you're, you've got a really good conversation going and you feel like you, you get that kind of audio gold, you know, you get some, some segments, some snippets that are, you know, just really great, you know, where, you know, either the, the guest is sharing their heart about something or just really diving deep into a, a you know, technical aspect, a tip, or just really talking about the fishery or, what's going on from a conservation standpoint. Um, those are all just really great things to talk about. You know, then I always try to get my guests to tell some stories, you know, and, and some of them are great storytellers and some of them just aren't, you know, and that's, you kind of get what you get. Yeah. You know, I've had great shows with stories and great shows without, That's right. you know, uh, but I think the stories make it, make it meaningful, you know, and I always like, I like to kind of double click on who they are as people, like what kind of drives them and what fishing means to them and uh, you know, kind of why they do this. You know, and um, and it's like the, it's, the answers are, are similar, but they're not. You know, you always get something a little different nuance from each person. So, yeah. so I don't know if there's a favorite, but it's definitely the, the actual process of interviewing the guy is what I like. Yep, nice. Well, yeah. let's dig into, like you said, let, let's try to touch on, let's give people listening a little bit of uh, a bonus value here on <laughs> destinations if they're thinking. So they got, so you got all these spots. I'm kind of looking through some of them now. You got, I mean, all sorts of tailwater trout on the... Uh, and you got a bunch of episodes here, 55. What would you say, I mean, when you look back at what you've done, do you have like five or, or 10 that stick out? Like uh, these are, you know, either the most popular, your most favorite or ones that really resonated with your listeners? You know, um, right now, my number one show is Slough Creek in Yellowstone National Park. Oh, it is? Yep. And I did that show with Max Yuzagiri. I had to kind of track him down for several months, you know, because uh, yeah. guides get busy. You know, it's hard to find a guide who wants to stop and talk to a podcaster in the middle of the summer, you know. But he was awesome and uh, really good um, info on, on technical cutthroat trout fishing. So that sounds like an oxymoron, right? Because cutthroat, you know, they're, they're easier to catch typically. But, you know, not in Slough Creek. You know, that's a great – it's a freestone, but it fishes like a – you know, like a um, spring Creek. And, you know, that's, he was talking about, you got to use a downstream presentation to get them, you yep. know, and uh, you know, you're, you're walking the bank and you're sight casting, you know? Yeah. So like, that's a, that show resonated with people. And then um, my fireside chats with Joe Humphreys uh, have all been, have done really, really well. And Oh, are these, is this a fire? You mean you actually use the fireside chat app? Uh, what's his name? Cubans app. No, I just call it that. You know, it's kind of like that. What does FDR used to call his radio show, the Fireside Chat? Oh, that's right. That's where they caught me out. So, <laughs> so, so Cuban, uh, I'm not sure if you heard about that app, but he created a, uh, uh, a new app, which is a live podcasting thing. And it's oh, it is? Fireside, I yeah, I don't even know what it is. Yeah. That's just what yeah. I came up with it. And then I'll tell you the other one, if if you've ever fished Penn's Creek, you've, have you fished much out, out east, Dave? No, I haven't. No, okay. that's, a, that's kind of my, yeah, that's a big goal for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, years ago, uh, I always organized these annual trips with a bunch of guys from my church and, uh, we went to Penn's Creek and I had like no idea how difficult Penn's Creek was to fish. And I always take anglers. Most of them are brand new or very inexperienced, you know, and this river just like kicked their butts. Right. And there was one guy that caught nothing, <laughs> you know, I felt bad. He was the only guy, he didn't have a guide though. So, but he, he didn't catch any fish, you know, and, uh, but most of us caught some fish. I did pretty good. 
and anyway, so we go walking into this fly shop in Coburn, Pennsylvania, which is, you know, right there on Penn's Creek. And this guy named Jonas Price is owner of the fly shop. And he is a hoot. I'm telling you, uh, it's like open season on customers. When you walk in there, he just instantly starts giving you grief about what you're wearing, you know, and he's either love him or you don't, you know, but I think most people love him because he's very, very funny. And uh, so that show has done really well. And I think he's just because he's such a, you know, a funny person, right? Uh, Kind of, um, yeah, I don't know. So, so that show's done well. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, I did a show on the Paramarquette uh, oh, with nice. a guy up there. Yep. And uh, Chris Rains, he's the head guide up there at the PM Lodge. And I fished the Paramarquette a lot. Uh, and so I went up and fished with Chris, did some steelhead fishing with Chris uh, afterwards. And um, so that's done well. Uh, my backcountry brook trout show in, um, in the Smoky Mountains did really well, mm-hmm. you know? So- mm-hmm. I don't know. Did a show in the Beaver Kill. That's up there. One on the Missouri River. That's up there. And I, I did a show. A lot of people don't know this, but the Rio Grande through like Taos, New Mexico is a really yeah. great fishery. And it's sort of overlooked. Um, uh-huh. And um, But that's, that's a fantastic fishery. And uh, I was out there a couple of years ago and actually wasn't out there to fish. I was out there with my wife. Um, and uh, boy, next time, I'm hitting that real grand gorge. That sounds absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So. There's so many places that, that seems like it's always a struggle. Like you come down to that, you know, well, that's, what's cool about the podcast is that there's so many places, you know, you can't do them all, but at least you can get a taste of it here, you know, and give somebody right. else who's listening a taste of it. Right. That's what you said at the start, you know, give them a taste, let right. them decide, okay, if I only have five trips to do in this time period, then geez, okay, I'll do these five. I mean, that's, what's cool right. about the podcast, right? Yeah. I mean, probably like you, I don't know how you started out fishing, but you know, I started out fishing for carp in Toledo, Ohio. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and the creek I fished in was completely polluted. They were back in the sixties, they were pumping raw sewage into this creek. Oh wow. So you're catching carp. That's amazing. And we used to sit on the crap line. We didn't call it that. We called it something else, but it was it was spewing <laughs> out sewage. And we would sit on that thing and cast our little Zebcos in there with, you know, I don't know, oh, we used wow. like uh, hunks of hot dogs or something, right? And we'd catch these gigantic carp. You know, you're like an eight-year-old kid hauling in like a five-pound carp. I mean, that's a big carp for a, for an eight-year-old, you know? And, uh, and an occasional bluegill, you know? And by the way, they've cleaned up the 10-mile creek is the creek I'm talking about in Toledo. And uh-huh. a couple of years ago, there was an article in the local paper there and somebody caught a steelhead in that same creek if you can believe oh, wow. it so cool. you know we've come a long way since the 1960s but i mean to think you know um that's how i got my start was fishing for carp you know and yeah here i am doing a podcast so it's uh it's kind of cool there you are and now so like you said indiana there's not a ton of trout but it's still i mean there's carp and there's smallmouth bass and um and there's still places to fish, right? There's still, is, is there a fly shop? Yeah. Is there, do you actually have a local fly shop out there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've got a place called Flymasters. They do a great job over there and uh, uh-huh. an Orvis store uh, on the north side of town. So yeah, it's it's funny. It's uh, But it's the warm water game here, you know? And like Tim Landwehr from the Menominee River will tell you, the warm water game is exploding, you know? And, uh, um, you know, I... I, I I'd rather fish for trout for sure. That's just what I like. But, uh, you know, a smallmouth bass, man, pound for pound, they they put up every bit of a good a fight as a trout does. Yeah. 
Well, I'm curious just just to take a little break uh, on our conversation. I think yeah, you, you you touched on a good. We got a little list going of uh, popular episodes, destinations. So that's good. We've kind of got yeah. that checking off here. Um, so just tell me your gear. I'm just curious because of how you do it. Uh, you know, because sometimes you know you never know. Somebody listening might be interested in maybe starting their own fly fishing podcast. There so you go. Uh, what do you have? So what are you doing, like mic wise? What are you typically uh, recording into? What's your mic? Well, okay. So, um, I had to do a lot of research to get this. That was the hardest part about getting the podcast started is just what is the technical setup, you know? And so, and it was really hard to find something that would work for me. So what I do is, um, I record my guests over the internet. Uh, they, they call into a zoom number. They don't need to be on their computer. They just get on their phone and they just call a zoom number, plug in a meeting and a meeting number and a, a password. And I've got them. And, um, and then I record my own voice over, I've got an H4, uh, pro recorder. Um, and so yep, then zoom. I have an editor that puts the two together, right? So you have different tracks and you can adjust the the levels and the volumes and whatnot, um, and do all that post-production work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's how I put it together. That's it. So you record, so their audio comes from, uh, zoom, zoom is recording their audio over the internet. Yeah. 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 There's definitely a few, there's a few podcasters, well, there's probably more than a few that use Zoom, and uh, I think it's getting better than it used to be. I think the quality, mm-hmm. I've been using it, you know, quite a bit, um, not necessarily for podcasts specifically, but just for, you know, conversations, and um, and I know right. there's, yeah, a few other fly fishing podcasts that do. I, there's also the opportunity, like we're, we're doing, right? This is the best. You're going to have your audio is going to be, you're recording it on your H4, and then right. you'll send me the file uh, on Dropbox, and then I'll have my exactly. side. So even though yeah. our... Yeah, we'll, we'll have that. So that's it. And then you send it off. Then what do you do? Just throw it into a Google Drive and send it to your editor? Uh, yeah, I've got it. So there's a website that people might have heard of called Upwork, right? It's this billion-dollar company now. And oh, uh, yeah. you can you can find, huge. Uh, you know, it's the whole gig economy thing, right? So I can find anybody to do just about anything you can think of from a job perspective on Upwork. So, for instance, I've got somebody working on a logo right now. And, um, and anyway, so I just went out and, and – found somebody the guy lives in serbia <laughs> and he does a great job he was very helpful he pot he, he's been doing podcast editing for a long long time so he was really helpful at the beginning you know like when i first sent him mm-hmm. my intro he's like no that's not good enough keep doing it you know and he made me like redo it like five or six times so that intro oh, wow. you know welcome to the destination angler podcast the podcast for anglers who travel i mean i recorded that back in April of 2020. And it was like the 10th take before he finally said, okay, this is good enough. So he was, he was huh. a good coach at the beginning. He was That's excellent. Good. And his name's Nemanja. And he, like I said, he lives in Serbia. So, and the guy works 24 seven. I'm telling you, I can send him an email and it's like three in the morning, his time. And he responds. I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy <laughs> never sleeps. So <laughs> he's been great. That's right. There you go. It's money well spent. You know, I just, I don't have yeah. time to, to audio edit some or learn it. Yeah. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of, I've, yeah, we've, we've done the same. Yeah. So when he edits, does he, um, you know, clean up, how, how does he do it? Does he, is he like taking out ums and ahs and all that stuff and really going in detail? You know, I don't really have to tell him what to do anymore. It, we've got to the point where he, he knows what I like and he knows I'm going to come back and say, Oh, you know, like I have one guest who stuttered. Right. And I didn't pick that up in the pre-show. Maybe he was nervous. I don't know, but he, he, he literally stuttered through the whole show. And I thought, boy, this is going to be a lot of editing. And you know what? Namanja, he cleaned it all up and the guy sounded really good. I want my oh, guests wow. to sound great. Right. And, um, you know, occasionally my guests will say something and think, man, that just doesn't reflect well on you. 
you yeah. know, and I can right. take that out, you know, and, yep. uh, but those kinds of edits, I'll, I'll give them instructions on that, but it's just like cleaning things up. Like usually I get it back. It's super clean. I don't have to do a whole lot to it at all. Yeah. That's it. No, that's cool. So basically that's it. That's your flow and you get it and then he, um, then he finishes it, sends it to you and then, yeah. um, do you upload it to Lipson and you do all that back end work and. Yep. Upload it and off we go. So publish every other Thursday at noon. This week I published one on Wednesday just because I wanted to get a couple extra days in before the end of the year, but it's usually Thursdays. There you go. Yeah. 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 How did you um, talk about growing the show? What's your strategy so far? It sounds like I mean, you're getting, it's resonating out there. What do you, um, anything that's been working and how are you growing it over the next year? Well, you know, it's, you, you've got a build-in marketing staff when these, it's in the, the guide's vested interest, right? To promote the show. So you've just done this, um, you know, this piece on his or her fishery, right? And, you know, they've talked about how great this fishery is and how to fish it and gotten people really excited about it. And they want the show to be listened to. So most of these guys have anywhere from 2,000 to you know, sometimes 10,000 followers. And so they'll put it out on their own social media. A lot of these guides are doing podcasts for other folks. So they're hooked into, um, you know, they've got a bloggers that they know. And like I had that, uh, uh, the show with Jonas Price on Penn's Creek that got picked up by a, a blogger named Trout Bitten and it just exploded. Oh, by uh, Dominic. Yeah. Yeah. Dominic Swintoski. Yeah. He does a really good job. I love his, uh, his blog and he's got his own podcast now. Um, and so, you know, these, um, you know, either the fly shop or the guides that you're talking to will pick it up and promote it. And then I do a lot of posting on social media and, uh, you know, you never know what effect that has, but it does seem to, to pop the numbers and I can, I can see a direct correlation, you know, when I'm posting things and I can see the number spike. So, uh, yep. you know, between social media and the guides themselves. And then, you know, if you just get a, if I find that if you get a really good guest on there, they do a good job. And if they're colorful, that helps, you know, they've got sort of a big personality and they tell some funny stories. Those shows just automatically get shared and they seem to kind of take on a life of their own. So I, it does come down to creating great content, right, Dave? Yep. Yeah. That's number one. That's the start. Yeah. It's not going to go anywhere unless you do that. So yeah. Well, let's, yeah. let's try to keep creating some great content here as we, <laughs> I, we, we scratch my itch on that. Cause I'm always curious on from another <laughs> podcaster. Yeah. Um, and, and tell me this, this is always a, a good uh, thing I'm interested in, like on your podcast. So I'm a, kind of a podcast freak. I've got, I, I don't know if I have a hundred podcasts, but I got always a bunch out there in my queue. Yeah, me too. What are the five podcasts, not your top podcast, but what are the five podcasts that you've last listened to? Or, or do you, I'm assuming you listen to some podcasts or do you? I do. I listen to them all the time. Um, well, let me see. Uh, I listen to you. Nice. And I'm not just saying that. <laughs> I like uh, uh, the Wait Out There uh, oh, yeah. fly fishing podcast. He does a really nice, he's a great interviewer. Yep. Uh, I like the Harvard Business Review Idea Cast. That's a good one. You know, on the business side, that's really good. Um, I got a bunch of uh, faith based podcasts I listen to. Um, uh -huh. Let me see. What else did I? Uh, I started listening to some national park podcasts, but I didn't think they were very good. Um, in the seam. So JP Ross, I don't know if you know him in the seam it's called. He's, he, he does a nice job. What is that about? Uh, it's a fly fishing podcast. Oh, it is in the seam. Of course. Yeah. He's a rod builder. Oh, okay. He does a good job. Let me see. What else do I have in here? I like, uh, the Millhouse one. Yep. I forget his name. Yeah. Andy. Andy. Thank you. Is it Andy Mill? 
Yeah. And then of course, Tom Rosenbar's podcast, uh, the Orvis fly fishing podcast. I, I think I've probably been listening to that one the longest. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. There's a really good marketing podcast that I like. And if I can pull this up here, it's, um, Oh, what's it called? Michael Stelzner. Yeah. Social media marketing with Michael Stelzner. I think he does a great job. Yeah. Stelzner is good. He's very good. Yeah. He's from that crew. Yeah. How I Built This is a good one. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, Guy Raz, he tells stories about companies got started. Conan O'Brien's got a very funny podcast. Listen to him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Conan. <laughs> He's kind of a kind of a kick. Um, I don't know. There's a few of them for you. Yeah, there you go. You just gave us another another nice list there, your, your top uh, Destination Angler podcast. So that's good. There you go, man. Yeah. Cool. All right, Steve. So, so give me uh, before we you know head out of here today. Give me a uh, one story, and I know you've got one potentially on Yellowstone. <laughs> but take us to this story and tell us about it. Okay. So, all right, this is my uh, I'd say this is my epic of all epic stories here. But you, oh, be, wow. you be the judge. All right. So uh, this is it. This is back in in maybe two thousand two. My second trip. I guess it's my first time to Yellowstone, second time to Montana and Wyoming. But uh, anyway, we were taking our boys who at the time were just 12 years old. So it was myself, uh, my good friend, Chris, and his son, Charlie, and my son, Peter. And so we're like, all right, we're going to plan this amazing trip. We're going to go to Colorado, but Colorado was on fire that summer. So we switched over to Montana and uh, we were going to float the Madison day one and then hike to Grebe Lake on day two and then hike through the Lamar Valley in Soda Butte on day three, four, and five, right? We had this all set up, you know? Oh, wow. And so um, when we get out there, we we drive down to fly into Bozeman, drive down to West Yellowstone. We go into Blue Ribbon Flies, which is a super iconic fly shop there in West Yellowstone, you know? Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, we're this is one of those, you know, times where you're just super excited. You're meeting your guide and everything. And, and we're over there looking at this uh, end cap display of bear spray, and it's got a picture of a guy with his face all bloody and everything. And it says, you too can survive a bear attack. <laughs> and me and my buddy are going, I don't know if I want to survive a bear attack, if I'm going to look like that, you know, his ears no. practically hanging off of his face, you know? Yeah. So, but we ended up, everybody bought a can of bear spray, you know, and, uh, and off we went. So we floated the Madison all day. And then when we came back, before you can go into Yellowstone and camp for the first time, you have to stop by the uh, the ranger station and watch their bear aware video, you know? And in that mm-hmm. video, they, they tell you like, don't run, you know, like if you get attacked by a bear, you're supposed to just lay there, curl up in a little ball and let the bear maul you, you know? <laughs> and my friend Chris is like, man, I don't think I want to go. You know, this sounds horrible. You know, between looking at the picture huh. of this guy with his face all bloody and, you know, watching this bear aware thing. But anyway, by the time we got back from fishing on the Madison, it was like five o'clock. And now we had to drive from West Yellowstone to Grebe Lake, which is like over an hour. Uh, so we ended up getting to Grebe Lake like at seven o'clock. And then we had to like, you know, lay all our stuff out in the parking lot and uh, at the trailhead and get all packed up and everything. And we're thinking it's only four miles in, so we should be able to do it. But the boys are 12. You know, as people are streaming out of the woods, they're like, hey, man, how long did it take you to do that hike? Oh, just like an hour, you know, but they're adults, you know. But anyways, yeah. so we ended up hiking in at eight o'clock at night. And now the, the video that we watched said like the cardinal rule is do not hike on trails at night because the animals use them as game trails, you know? <laughs> so, oh, yeah. so here we are, but with 12 year old boys, you know, it took a while to hike in and uh, we ended up, we didn't get to the lake until it was 10 o'clock at night. I mean, it was pitch black except for the full moon, like not a cloud in the sky, full moon. And, you know, the whole way in we're like, 
clapping and making noise, you know, because we're all freaked out about bears and everything. We get to Grebe Lake and uh, in the moonlight and every square yard of water has a fish rising on it. And we're like, oh my oh, gosh. Wow. And uh, we thought, should we stop and fish? He said, no, 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 we, we got to go find our campsite. It's it's late. So we uh, stumble around the back, you know, the north side of the lake and there's a campsite there, but we can't camp there because you have to camp in your designated spot. And there's one tent there, right? And it was the guy had the only flat spot in the whole camp ground so we're like okay let's keep walking so we ended up hiking across this um this big field maybe a half a mile to our campsite and it was full of these little rivulets that kept tripping over you know so it was kind of difficult hiking and as we got closer and closer to the stand of pine trees um i noticed this big brown blob back in the end of the pine trees just maybe 20 yards into the pine trees and it looked like like a volkswagen bus you know like that size it was big and uh, in Indiana, when a tree falls over, it pulls up like a root ball, you know, and you just sort of see like a half round, you know, set of roots there. And I thought, oh, that's just, you know, like a tree that's fallen over. And so we got closer and closer. All of a sudden, this brown blob lets out this massive snort. And it's like, oh, my gosh. And this sound comes out of my mouth like, oh, you know, and I get my bear spray out. And yeah. my friend Chris is stumbling, falls over backwards, you know, and he's like, what is it? You know, and so we've got our bear spray out and Charlie's running up and I'm grabbing him, pulling him back, you know, and we didn't know what it was. So we just got out of there and we started backtracking as fast as we could, not quite running and, um, you know, stumbled across that meadow again, thinking that, you know, it's a bear and it's going to pounce on us at any moment. And here I am with, you know, two 12 year olds thinking this is my fault. I planned this trip. And, uh, we got back to the first campsite we went through when we pitched our tent, like within one foot of their tent. <laughs> so mm -hmm. they probably weren't yep. too thrilled with us, you know? Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and, and they just were there in the tent and they said, Hey man, keep a clean camp. Cause there were bears in camp last night. And I was like, Oh, great. Oh, wow. you know? So we threw our food up over the bear pole, you know, and while we're setting up the tent, it just felt like at any minute, this thing was going to just come out of the woods and pounce on us, you know, and then all night I'd be looking out of my little screen in my tent and would see like a stump and think it's a bear, you know, and you just, your mind starts playing tricks on you. Oh yeah. But anyway, the next morning I woke up and, and, uh, the other campers, uh, got up and they were from Cody, Wyoming and, and we started chit chatting and he says, Oh, it was really cool yesterday. There was this Buffalo that was wandering around in that field over there all day long while we were fishing. I said, Oh wow. No kidding. That's what it had to have been. And so um, anyway, I turned my little video camera on. I woke Chris up, who's not a morning person, with the camera rolling. <laughs> he still hasn't forgiven me and said, you know, hey, guess what? That was a, it was a buffalo. It had to be a buffalo. And sure oh, enough, wow. that morning about 10 a.m. Uh, when we were fishing, uh, this big 2,000-pound, you know, thing of oh. massive muscle and hair started wandering across, you know, the field, you know, a couple hundred wow. yards away from us. It was a buffalo. We just stumbled a upon a buffalo. And, uh, you know, it, buffalo are dangerous. Yeah. People don't realize that. Yeah. But uh, anyway, and then uh, we didn't learn very much because later on that day, we were at uh, Yellowstone Falls and, and on that little road, that little circle road there is full of people and everything. There was a buffalo sitting right alongside the road. And so Chris and Charlie, they jump out of the car and Peter and they're, they're filming this thing. And one of them yells, hoo hoo. And that Buffalo jumped to its feet within a second, man, it was on its feet and everyone was just scrambling to dive back. And I mean, literally diving through the windows, trying to get, you know, you just heard gravel slinging as they're trying to jump back into the car. So anyway, it was kind of a, an epic trip to say the least. Wow. Yeah. So as far as the bears from that point, you didn't see any other bears or any bears there? 
You know, I've been to Yellowstone five or six times and I've only seen bears once. And it was two years ago and I was out there with my wife and one of my daughters and uh, we saw five bears in one day. Mm. And like, I've, I've never seen them. You know, so um, you see signs of bears. Like yeah. that same trip I was telling you about, my we fished in Soda Butte, and my son is twelve. He wandered off after a couple hours of fishing. You know, a twelve year old can only take so much. You know, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, where'd Peter go?" And so I finally tracked him down, and he was uh, building sandcastles in in a sandy area along Soda Butte next to a half eaten elk carcass. <laughs> and I'm wow. like, uh, Peter, come over here. Let's get away from that elk carcass. So, um, yeah. But other than that, I just haven't seen money. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, Yellowstone's obviously a place we've talked about that before here. We're, we're thinking like every year that would be a good destination just to go back to. Um, do you have any that are you, you kind of have on the on the list where you're like, okay, this is a, an annual trip that you're kind of heading out to that destination? Uh, we go to Wisconsin. We've been doing that quite a bit. Um, but uh, Like the trout for trout and all that? Yeah, yeah, the Driftless area is fantastic. It's yeah. uh, it's all public access. Yep. Like in in Wisconsin, the landowners uh, cannot prevent you from from walking up and down their streams, right? So even if there's a fence there, you you have the right to walk around the fence and back in the creek. Amazing. And so it's all this public access, and there's 600 miles of trout streams in the Driftless area, and and you can you got to be smart, you know. Um, yeah. You don't want to make landowners mad, but uh, they're they're very friendly folks out there, and it's great fishing. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. The Driftless is definitely one of those. We've had a few episodes there as well. Yeah. Um, okay, well, anything before we get out of here, um, any other destinations you want to add to this list, or are you good with what we have here? This is going to be our top uh, destination angler uh, list, uh, of, of well, at least currently. You're going to have a lot more episodes down the line. Oh, man. There's so many more destinations to come. You know, yeah. uh, I've got Nelson Spring Creek coming up, so I'm going to be talking to the Nelsons themselves. You know, and uh, uh -huh. I, I don't know I just get excited about all these amazing places. You know, and you get to kind of uh, really get dialed into each of these. So yeah, good stuff coming. Yeah, what are you gonna with Tom with Rosenbauer? What do you what do you have that dial? Where, where you what you're talking about? No idea yet. You got to see what he says. So uh, I, have, I have no idea. You know, hopefully he'll. You yeah. know. He's not really, a, I know he, he he's a, more of like a skills type of a teacher, you know? And uh, so we want to use the destination as an excuse for him to maybe talk about, I don't know, some some tips and whatnot on, on fly fishing. So. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's definitely one of the best as far as that. Yeah. The tips and all that stuff and the resources. Yeah. Orvis is crazy. Yeah. Nice. Well, so what do we got going? So if you look out with what you have going in the next six months, year plus, um, what, what can we expect from the destination angler? Uh, like kind of more of the same or, or what, what should we be looking for? So I don't know. We've, I've been talking to people, you know, all over the country, people from, you know, Alaska to California, um, to Oregon, uh, to Florida, um, you know, all over. So, um, like I said, I, I don't know until I'm about two shows away what I'm doing next, you know, but we'll see how it comes together. You know, I'd love to do a show on the McLeod and up in California, you know, but it's, uh, yeah, it's hard to get the California guides to get on shows a lot of times because California's a crowded place and a lot of them don't want more crowds coming to their fisheries, you know? So, uh, yeah. anyway, uh, there's lots of places in California I'd like to do, but it's just been really hard to find guides to talk about them. In California? Yeah. Yeah. I think California is really unique. We've done a number of episodes there and, um, Part of it is California is super diverse. So there's all these different types mm. of fishing. And I think once you dig into anything, you start to, once you talk to one person, then you're like, oh, okay, there's these, 
you know, there's five more people that I could probably have on. So yeah, you just kind of got to open it up and then you'll, you'll find a bunch of stuff, you know, episodes and topics. I hope. Yeah. I'd like to do some, are, you're from uh, like uh, the North, the Northwest as well, right? Yeah. Oregon. Yeah. You're from Oregon. So I've only done one show in, show in Oregon. I'd love to do more shows up there. Which one? What'd you do in Oregon? Uh, we did, we did the lakes of central Oregon. Oh, with who? Yeah. It's a uh, guy named uh, Jeff Perrin. Oh yeah, Perrin. Yeah, we've had Perrin on. Yeah, he's yeah. that guy's got some crazy stories. Yeah, right. And uh, boy, the fishing yeah. in those lakes in Central Oregon sounds amazing. But uh, there's a bunch of other rivers and streams in that area that I'd love to do shows on. Yeah, yeah, we're doing a trip. We're doing this really cool. Um, uh, you know, well, I'm pretty sure we're doing it in a week into the snow, like a uh, like they bring our gear into these a little cabin on a lake, and we hike in with the kids. Wow. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be a fun one. It's right in that area. So, uh, sounds amazing. So, no, Perrin's good. I think he, he had this crazy story. I'll put a link out to him as well about this really um, amazing, crazy steelhead angler who was very well known. And then I think, well, you could listen to it, but eventually committed suicide. It was kind of a sad, oh. a sad ending. But, um, yeah, so Jeff's got all sorts of crazy stories. And then, uh, and then what else? So, so now you're Western wise. Do you, you've done some stuff up in Canada? I've done a couple shows. Uh, I did a show on the Nipigon River. I did a show on the uh, the Elk River up in Fernie, BC. That's a great oh, yeah. spot up there. Uh, and the Nipigon River is where the uh, world record uh, brook trout's from. And they're routinely catching these gigantic, you know, 10, 12-pound brook trout out of that river. But it's a massive river system. Um, guy's named Gord Ellis, and he's a writer for a couple of Canadian uh, outdoor magazines. Um, so, yeah, really amazing places that's always the struggle I have is that, um, and we even do, you know, we do uh, two episodes a week. So we've been like doubling down. And, and even with that, I still feel like, wow. I mean, there's just so many places I'm not even going to be able to touch on. You yeah. Know I mean? and we, we tend to not, we were like you, it's more, uh, North American focus, but, um, I've got an episode coming up, um, with an Euro nipper from, um, the Europe. I, I occasionally will break out some of those. And, okay. Cause there's a big, yeah, there's a big audience, obviously, people who listen to, I'm sure, listen to your show right over in Europe. Yeah, quite a few. Yeah, all over the world. Nice, Steve. Well, uh, how are you feeling about this now? Another another podcasting fly fisherman. Uh, how do you feel about how we've done? Have we, have we covered a little bit of what you do? Feel good about that? I think we have. Yeah, we've pretty much hit it. All so right. this has been great, Dave. Really appreciate being on the show. Thank you very much. So there you go. If you want to find all the show notes, all links, and everything else we covered to date, head over to wetflyswing.com slash 287. 287 will get you the goodness. And you can head over to uh, right now, wetflyswing.com slash subscribe, and you can get notified. Just kind of click the app, whatever you want to listen to. If you're enjoying this, this episode is also uh, being uh, feed dropped into the Destination Angler. So if you're one of Steve's uh, crew, and you haven't heard about the Wet Fly Swing podcast, we have an awesome mix of pretty much everything, kind of like Steve, a lot of different topics in North America, but we uh, mix it up a little bit. And so if you want a little taste of like 300 episodes, a little, if you want to keep Steve's, if, you're, if you already listened to all of Steve's stuff and you want to keep this going further, jump over right there, click subscribe, and I guarantee you there'll be something we can find for you. You can always reach out to me too if you have questions. I would love to connect with you and... Uh, love to uh, get something answered for you. Uh, as I noted, the Facebook group is a good place to connect as well to the community. Uh, and yeah, it's it's been a good uh, good run. We're just kind of kicking off 
2022. I hope your year is beginning uh, really well and uh, listening today till the very end and I really appreciate your support. It's what keeps all of us going, including Steve. So Steve, thanks again, buddy. Uh, another fun one and definitely looking forward to keeping in touch with you and your uh, and your crew over there. Uh, and, uh, and for everybody else, uh, wherever you're listening, uh, thanks. And we will talk to you uh, hopefully online and maybe on the water. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.